Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, keeping the momentum going in managing the Pentagon's money. Is there traceability? Are you able to leverage technology in such a way that you can actually measure that improvement? And the lesson to learn from the zero trust journey. We spent many years looking at, you know, meeting OMB requirements, um, looking at coordinating with CDM and, and CISA and uh, being able to implement kind of baseline defense and depth technologies. And we're, we're starting to realize that it's not good enough. It's Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast sponsored today by Salesforce. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast for Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Federal agencies have new resources to evaluate 5G wireless technology. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the Homeland Security Department's Science and Technology Directorate, and the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering have a five-step plan out now for agencies to use. CIS is inviting comments from agencies on the guidance until June 27th. The Interior Department's prepping a cloud procurement that could be worth up to a billion dollars. The draft request for quotes says the acquisition will, quote, result in profound changes in the DOI computing environment. The five-year contract will have three two-year options. You can learn more about these headlines and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. The connection between identity management and cyber will be in focus at the Okta Gov Identity Summit 2022. Government and industry leaders will be at the conference at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City, June 23rd. You can find a link to learn more and register in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Defense Commissary Agency is the seventh DOD unit to achieve a clean audit opinion for fiscal 2021. The latest financial management strategy from the Undersecretary of Defense Comptroller's Office at DOD says financial readiness accelerates mission readiness. Dr. Michael Parker's Vice President and Business Development Executive at Salesforce, former senior executive in the Defense Department, and Salesforce sponsors today's Daily Scoop podcast. Mike, welcome. It's great to see you again. Connect for me that idea of fiscal readiness that the Defense Department senior leadership has talked about on a number of occasions with mission readiness that the department has talked about for its entire existence. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate that. Uh, What a great question, because it is so timely, given all of the focus and the efforts from both the administration and Congress now on fiscal readiness and how that does tie to mission readiness. As you know, the DOD mission is is critical to our national defense, our national security and our continued readiness as a country. Uh, In that vein, the Defense Department is focused on improving fiscal decision making and focusing specifically on how do you ensure the optimization of the defense budget for the warfighter? Are we delivering the greatest capability and capacity we can with the precious dollars that have been obligated to the Defense Department? DOD is making significant strides to date towards financial auditability and continues to improve fiscal readiness on a continual basis. Over my 34 years as a DOD public servant, Uh, I've personally been a part of and affected by several improvements in audit readiness and process improvement in the financial management domain specifically, which was a very rewarding experience for me, being able to ensure that every dollar spent was greater warfighter capacity for the DOD specifically. 
currently there's a major focus on transforming the auditability of financial management systems. So you think about the legacy systems environment and modernizing that with new cloud-based platform solutions that allow you to drive automation and allow you to drive uh, an improved customer experience and transparency over the funding that DOD does execute. There's a couple things that you said there that I want to pull the string on, Mike. And one of them is you talked about uh, the information that people have inside the department for decision making. It's funny because that's the exact conversation that we have throughout the entire federal government right now about using data for decision making that I don't hear as often as I had expected to about financial management. It strikes me that that is an area that's ripe for using data for decision-making. And I wonder if it's just that I'm not hearing it or if maybe there is unrealized potential there in the financial management area. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. So there is a concerted focused effort um, and there has been for some time now as realized by the financial audit in the need to identify authoritative data and understand that authoritative data and put standards in place to enforce data reporting that has accuracy, timeliness, and quality standards associated with it so that that data, once exposed to decision makers, is available for analytics and the use in automation with technology solutions like artificial intelligence. Data is so critical to everything we do in DoD, and financial management data is the most critical in understanding you know, tracing that fiscal readiness back to that mission readiness in the warfighter, ensuring that we are tracing the entire budget life cycle. And we understand from a field operation perspective that every commander is equipped with the data access and exposure they need to execute the mission. All right. Another term that you used a moment ago I want to pull on is the process improvement. It strikes me that some of the cloud-based tools that you talked about and that other folks have talked to me about in the financial management area are making the Pentagon's progress or, or can potentially make the Pentagon's progress on auditability and financial management success exponential. Like the first year of the audit, people kind of threw their hands up in the air and said, this is terrible. It's going to take forever. They're never going to make it in 10 years. Second year was better, but not linearly better, if that makes sense. It's not a scientific term. I apologize. And then the third year was even better, and it seems like it's going up exponentially, the, the level of improvement each year. Do, do you get what I'm getting at? I do, absolutely. And, and some of that really is understanding the operating environment and the processes as they exist today. Uh, just in my own personal experience in financial management, documenting those processes and standardizing those across the military organizations is so critical to then drive automation. There's a tremendous amount of paper and manual processes that exist today still uh, in 2022, which should be a little surprising, but it's not. There's so much law, regulation, and policy that governs how you deliver financial services today and how you manage the financial management domain, that leadership is now focusing on driving policy changes and policy automation that will then enable your ability to really reimagine how financial management is delivered, how financial management processes are operating, and how that authoritative data is leveraged in that. So that solutions, specifically 
cloud-based technology solutions that do offer significant automation and exponential improvement towards auditability can be leveraged. We talked a little bit before we turned the recorder on uh, about the proliferation of customer experience and how it's not just talk and it's not just compliance exercises that officials all across the civilian and DOD space in government understand the importance of customer experience and why it's a good idea, why it's good for business and not just uh, a compliance exercise. What's the connection between the data and the tools that we've discussed in this conversation and the customer experience element of this? Who are the customers that financial managers in the Pentagon are delivering their products for, Mike? That's a really great question. And being able to tie all this together with the most important aspect of digital transformation, which is customer experience. It's clearly defining your customer and understanding that you don't just have one lens of customers. You know, you've got your specific service member or civilian personnel in DOD. They are customers from the financial services delivery model. But those subject matter experts that are operating these processes and utilizing these systems are also customers and, and deserve a greater customer experience to be able to deliver a better service. And senior leaders alike are all customers of this approach. And whether you're in financial management, human resource management, or logistics, they're all part of the business missionary in DOD and all ripe for transformation. But focusing on the customer experience is so important and collecting what I call the voice of the customer, understanding what their expectations are, what satisfaction level they expect, and transforming how we engage with them in a more personalized experience like their personal lives. We should be able to leverage automation. We should be able to leverage uh, mobile experience, transparency, and self-service. But how we leverage these systems should be simple and intuitive. And today, just with the tremendous amount of paper and forms and uh, antiquated legacy systems and applications that are being replaced by key leadership decisions in DOD, uh, now is the time to really laser focus on how you deliver a better customer experience. Well, and when you use the word simple and intuitive, that does seem to be kind of counter to a lot of what I see and hear coming out of the department from a financial management person. They are overcoming decades in some cases of legacy processes and trying hard. I, I don't mean to disparage the effort by any stretch of the imagination. And I think it helps that you have a leader at the top like Mike McCord and others throughout the department who've done it before and know what they're up against. But the, the simple and intuitive piece of this seems to be one of the biggest rocks for them to climb. Is that fair to say, do you think? Uh, absolutely. It is difficult. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a tremendous amount of law regulation and policy that governs what we do and how we do it in DOD. And, and you're right, we have tremendous leadership in financial management today. All of the military department leads and, and the OSD leadership is, is phenomenally equipped to deliver innovation, to deliver technology transformation, and a better experience. And they're all sharing information across one another. And I'm really excited about seeing them speak specifically at an upcoming conference because it's so critical to see what each of the military departments are doing together or separate and sharing those best practices. 
What's the people piece of this? Does the department have what it needs skill-wise and and people-wise to execute on the vision that we've kind of uh, thrown out here today? Absolutely. This is a, a tremendous career field and the workforce that exists today, the workforce I grew up in, in financial management is, is really continuing to grow, uh, both in development and education opportunities, but really focusing on innovation, you know, understanding how not only technology solutions can drive innovation, but leveraging the workforce and leveraging a more community of practice approach to how we're delivering services and how we can transform those services. There's a concept called upskilling of the workforce and there's several um, so there's several support elements that exist today that will in, will help enable that upskilling to leverage technology to what to do more of putting subject matter experts on top of the system from an audit perspective instead of inside the system with manual transaction reporting. Uh, and that's where I think leadership is focused right now and leveraging this, the uh, training and education that is available. What do you see as the best way to measure success? Is it just continued progress in the auditability of the department each year, or are there other areas in which you can take some of these pieces that we've talked about today and in between the audit result releases say, we're continuing to be on the right track, Mike? Yeah, I think there's several areas you can measure that. One is uh, collect that customer experience. Have you improved the customer experience? Are they more satisfied with that experience um, day after day, month after month. And then from an auditability perspective, is there controls? Is there traceability? Are you able to leverage technology in such a way that you can, can, you can actually measure that improvement and track those productivity and performance metrics from an operational perspective? Mike Parker, it's great to talk to you. Thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Salesforce Customer 360 for Public Sector offers an integrated platform for public services. You can learn more from Mike and his team at the event he referenced, the ASMC Professional Development Institute Conference in Atlanta today through Friday, June 1st through 3rd. You go to PDI2022.org to register to attend online, and you can find a link in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. On Thursday's show, the fusion of I IT and acquisition at the General Services Administration. The former CIO there and now the commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service, Sonny Hashmi, is on tomorrow afternoon's Daily Scoop podcast at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. The Department of Homeland Security is exploring a range of technologies like 5G, artificial intelligence, and more across its components and at headquarters. David Larimore is Chief Technology Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. He's former CTO at Immigration and Customs Enforcement. At the Emerging Technology and Innovation Conference, he explains the difference between what CTOs the components do at DHS and what he does department-wide. At the component level at the Department of Homeland Security, the Chief Technology Officer is is responsible um, for 
everything from enterprise architecture responsible for cloud implementation and management, uh, responsible for uh, oversight of, of R&D. Um, it, it really depends upon the mission, depends upon the priorities. Uh, me at headquarters, I have a lot of responsibilities related to program engagement, right? So I have programs at FEMA and CBP and ICE and USCIS and the Secret Service and the Coast Guard. Um, and it is my job to find the commonalities amongst these programs and help them all mature, uh, help them to reduce risk, help them to make sure that they are implementing solutions that support the mission. Uh, I'm very proud and uh, Eric Heisen, the, the CIO at DHS, um, has been an excellent partner in, in helping to lift my role and um, for those of you who are CTO or aspiring to be a CTO, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I am trying to bring that community uh, together across all of the departments, across all the various agencies, etc. It's really important, it's an important role. Um, I think that is as part of my overall thesis here in my TED talk um, that if we do not start talking about and formalizing what a CTO does, there is no expectation that the future will have those types of resources ready. So how do you know as a graduate of the 22 Voyages program, what are the knowledge, skills, and abilities necessary to be a CTO? We don't know. You know, If you, you go to one department, they're focusing on 5G and focusing on artificial intelligence. You go to another uh, department and they're focusing on cloud, right? So how do we start building up a consensus on what does that role need to do to support an organization, how can it be used to lift an organization, move it forward, help us to rapidly develop capabilities for our customers, whoever they may be. All right, all right, all right okay, okay, okay. All right, DHS. So, um, when I started um, at the, I was actually the Chief Technology Officer at Immigration Customs Enforcement, um, you know, I, I, I built a, a golden triangle around the concept of uh, foundation, and that foundation is Agile, Cloud, and DevOps, right? So for any uh, true IT development program, uh, to be successful, um, that group, that team, that organization needs to focus heavily on a strong foundation of Agile, Cloud, and DevOps, right? So Agile is the way that we work with our customers. Agile is the way that we, we break down and are able to incrementally uh, deliver our requirements. You know, Cloud is essentially ha is the vehicle in which we can deliver these requirements, and SecDevOps is the, the automation and the barrier breaking between the, the traditional uh, software development uh, IT, uh, IVNV, and, and CISO components, right? And so um, that was kind of big 10 years ago, right? And, and, and many organizations, I know the Department of Homeland Security, we are actually, um, uh, I'd like to say we're leading the pack, but I haven't you know, quite seen the statistics lately other than on the CIO dashboard. Um, you know, we have really started to build that foundation. And so, well, well, what's next, right? So we have to start harmonizing what we are going to use with those capabilities. And, and me at the department level, things that I have to focus on. Um, and, and what we're finding out is there's three key areas. Customer experience, zero trust or cyber, and the third is artificial intelligence. So you know, pretty much everything that we are focusing on impacts one of those three areas, right? So for example, operationalized welcome. Um, we were able to successfully immigrate 80,000 Afghan refugees, and we did that through principles of customer experience, right? We actually went down to the southwest border. We worked with CBP agents down on the border, and we tried to figure out what is not working, what is broken about this system. Well, it wasn't just technology. It wasn't just the fact that the phones may not have the right applications on them. It is how the components were communicating. So we not only 
worked on what technology is best to solve that customer problem, but we also worked on how can the various parts of that puzzle, not always inside of the Department of Homeland Security, can work together. So whether we're talking about USCIS, Citizen Immigration Services, right? We're talking about Customs and Border Protection, Immigration Customs Enforcement, even Department of Justice, right? Executive Office of Immigration Review. They are all part of the immigration life cycle. And in order to make a project, a program, an emergency like that at our borders be successful, we had to focus on what that experience was. Experience for the Afghan refugees. Experience for our border officers, right? We had to empower them to be able to communicate, whether through technology or other means, to the other components. Uh, customer experience, we also talk about how can we use AI and biometrics when it comes to the customer experience, right? So we have spent many years looking at artificial intelligence as a way to bolster things like um, auditing, looking at fraud detection, uh, looking at uh, being able to uh, attach a cybersecurity flavor to artificial intelligence when it came to being able to identify threats inside of your network. And now what we're starting to realize is artificial intelligence may be the biggest advantage we have to building a better experience for our customers. Whether you're talking about the use of facial biometrics for the uh, credential uh, uh, authentication technology program, the CAT program over in TSA, where when you're at an airport and you are going through the lines, you're, you're, and I did this recently, you're, you're fumbling for your passport, you're fumbling for your, uh, your, um, uh, your, your tickets to the plane, you're, you're fumbling with your various forms of ID. Well, we have the ability to use biometrics now in order to do facial verification, right? We're looking at a way to where you can walk up to a podium, authorize the use of that technology, and even be able to leverage the new mobile driver's license technologies that many states are, are starting to implement, right? So we are now expanding that thought or idea of how artificial intelligence can be used to improve the mission, right? So we look at the use of the mobile driver's license. We've looked at using uh, the, the facial recognition technologies in the airport. And, and all of them are leading to um, this, this piece that we were missing, and that is, why are we not going out there? Why are we not going out to the field? Why are we not having our senior leaders in our organization not going out and actually sitting at an airport, spending a few hours looking at the lines, going to the border, spending a few hours looking at the type of conditions that offices are in and uh, refugees are in, you know, going to emergencies, so Federal Emergency Management Administration, right, with our grants management program, actually going to the field during an emergency and understanding the types of technology available to these uh, victims in order to be able to access the loans and grants that they need, right? So we are developing at headquarters a mechanism to not only enforce, but to support and to be able to show, unequivocally show the relationship between spending that time with your customer base and actually showing the improvement and the change of delivery and the type of technology and the type of value you bring to our organization. So customer experience is huge, and actually customer experience we use a lot to support uh, some of the areas as well. So for example, you know, uh, zero trust, cybersecurity, um, and I'm, I'm not gonna sit here on a, uh, uh, a philosophical debate about zero trust, um, but what I will say is it is proving that good is not good enough. Um, we spent many years looking at, you know, meeting OMB requirements, um, looking at coordinating with CDM and, and CISA and uh, being able to implement kind of baseline defense and depth technologies and we're, we're starting to realize that it's not good enough. So a lot of what we are trying to do around zero trust is about 
maturity, right? So it's not about what technology you need to implement today to be able to support your mission, to be able to defend your network, defend your data, but we're also looking at what is your ability to actually move to the next technology after that, right? We're looking at what is the relationship between the programs and the types of technologies those programs are using and the types of zero trust strategies that they can implement, whether we're talking about external authentication for anybody accessing a DHS system, uh, whether we're talking about endpoint detection, whether we're talking about data classification. We are looking across the board and saying, if we implement a solution today, will that prevent us from implementing a solution in the future? Or will it us enable to continue to deliver for the mission? Last uh, but not least, um, I, you know, specifically about artificial intelligence, um, there's a big change lately about artificial intelligence. You know, there's these discussions about use of public data, right? There's a responsibility to artificial intelligence that, that I think a lot of the federal government um, knew was there, but we didn't necessarily have the political and, in a lot of ways, the OMB uh, regulations on how to use that data, how to use that information. So we are trying to find uh, responsible ways to leverage artificial intelligence. We are, we are capturing use cases. We are looking at the data inventory, right? So depending upon the type of data you're using, where you're getting your data from, it could drastically affect the accuracy of that artificial intelligence, could drastically affect uh, the impact that that uh, technology has to the mission. So we are, have created a data inventory program up in headquarters. We're working across every department in the Homeland Security to be able to start cataloging all of this information. David Laramore, the Chief Technology Officer at the Department of Homeland Security at ACT-IAC's Emerging Technology and Innovation Conference. You could read more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop Podcast returns tomorrow afternoon with the head of the Federal Acquisition Service GSA, Sonny Hashmi. I'm Francis Rose. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.